Welcome to Many Windows Conversations on Ministry. I'm your podcast host, Jules Taylor, coming to you from Meadville Lombard Theological School in Chicago. My guest today is John Deckett, Director of the Wigan Library and Archives here at Meadville. Our topic, Generative AI, Artificial Intelligence, and how we are engaging with this technology in theological education. Well, welcome, John. It's great to have you here as part of Meadville Lombard. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with you about AI. <laughs> it's great to be here. I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you about it today. So uh, tell me a little bit before we jump in, because you're pretty new to the school. So could you just give me a little background, get, give everybody out here uh, a little bit of background about who you are and and what you've done uh, and as part of a welcome to to introduce you to the community. Great. Yeah. So um, I just had my six month anniversary at Meadville Lombard. Uh, so I'm the new director of library and archives here at Meadville Lombard. Uh, before that, I was working at the Chicago Theological Seminary in the City Colleges of Chicago as a librarian and uh, a writing tutor, uh, uh, the, the writing center coordinator at the Chicago Theological Seminary. Um, long before that, I, I also earned a PhD in, in Near Eastern Languages and Cultures uh, and Religious Studies. So, so I do have a Religious Studies background as well, uh, as well as my library background. Nice. Well, it's a good, it's a good melding of a lot of different uh, aspects of, I guess, um, study, right? If you get ancient histories, you've got ancient texts, which leads you to probably archives and library, right? And all that kind yeah. of a natural, natural melding. So today, though, we're not talking about the ancient world of text and literature. We're actually talking about cutting edge and where things are right now. Uh, as of the recording date here today in mid-January 2024, talking about generative AI. And so that's going to start my question you you've been you've been in the business for a while i'm assuming you've gone to workshops and and learning specifically about this so help me out how what do they talk about in these in these workshops often these these seminars and workshops that i've attended or uh the discussions i've had with with colleagues at uh other institutions they often start out by asking engaging are you are you scared are you terrified or are you excited is that do you see this as a great new opportunity um, I, I see myself as kind of in the middle. There are aspects of this that do frankly worry me and pose mm -hmm. a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's there's also a lot that I, I see it as as a learning opportunity, both for myself, but also as an opportunity for us to um, to make the case that we need to double down on information literacy education mm -hmm. with our students. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll we'll head down some of these pathways here. Uh, so let's just go right from basics, because this episode is going to be a lot about kind of the 101 basics around things. I know I've heard the term, but I don't know if I actually know what the term really means. What is generative AI? And without like, you know, treat me as someone that does not have a history of uh, lang nearest languages or far east languages and history and all right, no techno jargon. What is generative AI? So AI, of course, stands for uh, artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. uh, and it's the, the word generative in this sense is because uh, these are computer programs 
uh, complex sets of algorithms or uh, 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 computer programs, essentially, that uh, you, you give a prompt to one of these programs and uh, it provides an answer, it, it, a response to you. It generates a response. Um, so far, there are generative AI programs that focus on generating text. There are uh, other programs that generate um, images, mm -hmm. others that generate audio, and others that generate video. Uh, I, I thought we could maybe focus on the text generators, though, today, since yeah. those are the ones that are maybe the 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 biggest in the news, and they're probably the most advanced. And probably more what our listeners are interested in. Although I do have a question now. Based on that definition, how is generative AI different than I think back to the old days when you would uh, of a of a of a search like Ask Jeeves, where you're asking a question, you're you're putting a question into a computer program essentially, and it's giving you an answer. But there is something different, right, about like a like a search versus generative AI. That's a great question, um, and uh, honestly, they are kind of like. Generative AI is sort of the next generation of uh, Ask Jeeves or Internet Search. In okay. fact, Bing, uh, Microsoft Bing, uh -huh. has been uh, has been incorporating uh, artificial intelligence into its next generations of search engines uh, in a bid to compete better with Google. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, essentially, the text generators work kind of like a search engine uh, that you you provide a prompt. Uh, which is usually it can be a question or a request and the the generative AI, the program will search the internet as well as its own data from previous searches and provide a response. Hmm. Uh, so instead of a search engine giving you a list of websites, a uh, generative AI text generator uh, will provide you a written response. Okay. So, well, the one that I've heard about and the one that I see a lot when I, you know, reading that I've done and things that I hear what's making the news, chat GPT, right? That seems to be at least in my little circles of the world, chat GPT seems to be the one that, that comes up the most. Uh, let's talk about that one. Right. So there are, like you said, there are several uh uh, programs out there. ChatGPT certainly has been generating the most news, the most buzz. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's probably one of the oldest uh, publicly available generative AI uh, programs out there. Um, it's well known because of it how relatively old it is. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say it's not cutting edge in its own way, uh, but also it, it's free. You can go to the ChatGPT website. Uh, you you um, start a free profile and you can start uh, using it right away. You can mm -hmm. also download an app on your, your smartphone. Uh, so it's, it's very user friendly. Chat GPT, like, like I said, it, it searches the internet mm -hmm. and it uses uh, answers from previous uh, submissions to in its responses. So mm -hmm. the more we use it, the more it learns. It is a, it is artificial intelligence in that it is, learning from uh, the, all the questions and prompts that we put into it. Um, Thus the, I'm a little scared and there's a little bit of opportunity. <laughs> yes. Right, especially into something like you're talking about, like if you don't even realize that by asking, quite like if, to think, oh, I don't want to participate in that, 
if you're using the internet, you're kind of participating in it, right? Because if you're searching things, let's say like you just said on Bing or even, even Google, right? Like, but with, with those kinds of searches, it's going to offer up more opportunities. That's going to be what, what these uh, programs are looking for to know what to mine for to come up with its answers or its statements or its text, right? Correct. Okay. At, at the other hand, it, it's not truly artificial intelligence and it's not self-aware. This okay. is not a program that understands that it's doing something. It is, you have to give it a prompt and then it will do something. Okay. Um, so the great computer scientist, Alan Turing, uh, mm. back in the 40s and 50s, started formulating what would be called the Turing test, to sort of mm -hmm. test if uh, a computer program truly is artificial intelligence. And okay. the test involved can... in Simply put, it, it involves, can a, a computer convince you that it's a human being and uh, in, in how it communicates with you? Mm -hmm. um, and again, it, it, it's uh, debatable whether uh, ChatGPT or any of these generative AI programs really do that at this mm -hmm. moment. So at this um, point, they don't, they're not passing that Turing test at this point. Not quite, I would okay. argue. Well, that said, they, they don't give the same answer twice. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, you ask it a prompt and it gives you an answer and then you ask the same prompt again, it won't give you the same answer twice with a few exceptions. You, you can use it as a calculator. So if you ask mm. what's two plus two, it'll tell you four, of course, both gotcha. times. but, um, can you give uh, us some but, examples of like how, like, so can you like, like, let's move through a little bit. Give some, like, how do you present a question and then what would what might show up and th with that i'm gonna i'm gonna guess that that's not only what it can do but i'm gonna guess that's where we're gonna find some pitfalls too correct yeah so you could ask it like a question like you would have asked ask jeeves or google so you can ask it uh who is this person or what is this mm. um and one of the pitfalls of chat gpt since it's based on the knowledge of what it can find on the internet and what previous people have done the better known a topic is, the more likely it will find reliable information on that okay. topic. So if you ask ChatGPT, who is Martin Luther King Jr. or, or uh, uh, write an essay about uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s impact on the civil rights movement, uh, there's a lot written on Martin Luther King Jr. available on the internet. So okay. it will provide you a, a decent essay that's... Uh, going to be mostly uh, uh factually correct if you did ask though so like i've asked it before um who is john deccan who who or uh, ask about myself uh -huh. and uh, i i get a response saying something like um as of my knowledge update in january 2022 i don't have any specific information about an individual named john deccan uh, <laughs> okay so, good uh i i asked about you i asked as well i asked oh, who's right. jules taylor and, very, uh, very, very gave... noteworthy, of course, right? Very famous with this podcast and other endeavors <laughs> I've been on, yes. Well, um, unfortunately, though, uh, unless you you're living a double life here, it the response was Jules Taylor is a New Zealand winemaker known oh. for producing high-quality wines. Uh, so uh, it turns out there is a Jules Taylor who who is a, 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 a real winemaker in New Zealand, uh, but I, I tried following up on that and asking not yeah, that that's Jules not me. Taylor. That's yes. not me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not that Jules Taylor. What about the Jules Taylor who works at Meadville Lombard Theological School? 
And uh, again, I got a similar answer that I don't have specific information about this individual. So oh, okay. the more obscure the topic or or the, the thing you're asking about or prompting about, um, the less likely the it will be able to either find information or provide accurate information. Uh, I've also asked about, so when I was doing my PhD in Near Eastern Languages and Cultures, I, I wrote about some um, historical Sufis, Muslim mystics who lived a long time ago, relatively obscure people. And then I asked questions about those figures. And it came with a response. Well, hold, on, hold on a second. So because, let me ask, so if I'm getting this timeline right, because you did that PhD a while ago, right? So you have a yeah, relatively no, a deep knowledge of question. it, right? So you this, then, um... you then were asking recently because yes. you've got deep knowledge of that topic. If you ask now, you're somebody that would know the difference between oh, that's accurate. Oh, that doesn't have anything to do with what what the real deal is. Is that is that, am I catching that right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So Perfect. this was I did this a few months ago. Okay. Um, and I asked about the figures that. I, some of the figures I had written about in my dissertation, mm -hmm. and it came back with a scripted response saying that this person is so-and-so uh, is X, Y, Z, except they were, it was totally incorrect. Um, yeah. It misidentified the figure with someone completely different. Okay. Um, and I've also encountered something kind of in between too. So I previously worked at the Chicago Theological Seminary, Mm -hmm. And uh, I asked about uh, Brad Braxton, who's the president of that institution. Mm -hmm. And it came back with uh, a biography and information about him. And much of it was correct, but there were little factoids here and there that were incorrect or just slightly wrong. It, it, okay. it, it, it connected him to certain institutions in ways that he wasn't actually connected. So okay. it was much more subtly incorrect. And yet incorrect is you know wrong is wrong right correct. especially when it cut we're talking about factual uh factual information which theoretically that's part of what ai is doing right because it's searching for facts it's yes. searching for things that are out there so there's definitely this is we're now coming up against some of the problems correct uh, right? and of course it cannot identify whether that information is providing is true or false mm -hmm. uh the uh, the company behind ChatGPT uh, freely acknowledges this, that the, the text that it generates is not necessarily true or false. Um, but the, the, again, the big lesson is that the more common knowledge a topic is, so if you ask about, again, Martin Luther King Jr. or the Declaration of Independence, uh, the more likely it will give you uh, factually correct information. But the more obscure the topic is, uh, the more likely it is, it will give you incorrect information. So I've got an interesting thought then, right? Yes. With what you just said, if we take something like an example of, if you asked it, tell me about January 6th, right? 2021, because mm -hmm. it's not, so it, it's going to grab whatever it, it's going to be finding things from all over, which can include intentionally erroneous uh, material, let's say, right? That has been created, made up it, propaganda. It won't know the difference between any of it. It's gonna bring all of it together and spit out something. And so there's another layer of it. Cause some, some things may just be, oh, it didn't know the difference between X and Y, but there's intentionally misleading information on the internet we know. And so, but this won't be able to determine the difference. Correct. 
Okay. Uh, moreover, it doesn't even tell you specifically where it got its information. Oh, so you uh, can't so, you can't fact check it. No. So it oh. will give you, and this is Chat GPT. So there are some other generative AI text generators. Uh, one called Jenny in particular that does uh, show you where it found its information, and it can make you citations. That, however, it is not a free text generator. Um, Chat GPT. This very popular one, even if you ask it, so you ask it a question about something and you follow up with that question, where did you find this information? Uh, it, it will tell you, uh, it'll give a very generic response of, uh, uh, we use, uh, or ChatGPT searches the internet and we, uh, f through freely in available information. That's so helpful. and not you, good right there, right? Not good for citations when it comes to having to do any kind of documentation, any kind of work, any kind of academic work, anything with any kind of professional integrity. Now, this is a questionable source is what I'm hearing. Correct. Yes. So because as you pointed out, the internet, uh, anyone, the great thing about the internet is anyone can post anything on the internet or nearly anything on the internet. And the terrible thing about the internet is anyone can post nearly anything about the on the internet. Yeah. So uh, of course it will be pulling on biased information and misinformation in its responses. Uh, and many users of ChatGPT have uh, found that um, uh, it, its answers sometimes do reveal certain um, political, or social biases that might sure. be popular on the internet. Or, uh, or missing voices, missing writing, missing art, missing pieces from communities that are traditionally marginalized and have been historically marginalized. So they're not out in the, in the, on the internet or in the, in the, the bigger um, search searchable database. Right. And so this is going to ref likely uh, generative AI is going to reflect or not be able to reflect what's missing because of systemic racism, because of institutional marginalizing of communities, right? Exactly. Okay. You, I couldn't have put it any better myself. Well, I'm um, glad we recorded this then because that, that I don't usually get <laughs> things like this with uh, on computers that well. Um, following up to you, you mentioned like, asking ChatGPT about uh, the January 6th um, yeah. storming of the Capitol. Another important thing to know about ChatGPT is that while it searches the internet for information in its responses, uh, it it doesn't, you cannot use it for, to find information about very recent and breaking news. Oh, so okay. currently um, if, so there are different, level models of chat GPT, if you're in versions of it. Um, the, the base free version is uh, version 3.5. And if you're using version 3.5, uh, it will search for information up till January, 2022. Okay, so, so that's almost wanted... what, two years ago? Year, a, year, yes. a little over, yeah. So that's about, cause we're recording this in January, 2024. So yes. anything that happened within the last two years at the, at this yeah. point in history, it's not, it's not it, it, it cannot that. provide and if so if you asked it about uh what did Donald Trump say in his trial this past week mm -hmm. um it will give you a response explaining like 
my information model only provides, I, I can only find information up till January, 2022. So it'll explain that I can't give you an answer on this, uh, but it can't give you an answer on that. Uh, there's also, there's a chat GPT version 4.0, uh, which has a cutoff of April, 2023. So also not quite up to date. Mm -hmm. um, if you do pay for a chat GT, uh, chat GPT plus account, which is $20 a month, that will provide more up-to-date information uh, via their connection with Bing. So, What are some of the other problems? Um, what are some, give me, give, we've talked about a few of them. What other kinds of problems were we, do we engage with, with generative AI, especially as we're talking about text? So, uh, well, we mentioned, again, this is probably the biggest one is it, it searches the internet. It, it can't weigh whether that information is biased or if it's factually incorrect or anything mm -hmm. in its responses. So mm -hmm. uh, it the information it provides, as we said, could be have incorrect facts, and it doesn't tell you where it's getting its information from. Mm -hmm. uh, it does not include citations. Mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned, there, there are some other ones that do provide citations, but those are not free, or I'm not familiar with any free um, generative AI programs that do provide citations. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, occasionally it, it gets, it's getting better at this, but occasionally it will give you uh, a sentence or that will not make any sense. Oh. Um, uh, I have not personally run across that, but I, I have read users who have come across something like that. Um, so, but, so it's getting better on that. And this is all, we're talking all in English version, because I'm going to assume that there's versions of this in other languages as well. Yes. Actually, that brings up a point, another point. You can use ChatGPT to um, translate. However, its translations are not always perfect. I was playing around with that a little bit myself earlier today. So it's a computer. So it, it doesn't understand uh, the nuance of vocabulary, that this word in this context can mean this, but in this other context this word means something else. Uh, so it's translation, as a translation tool, it's, again, it's not perfect. So ChatGPT's responses are only as, as specific or unspecific as the prompts you give. If you give a very specific response or a prompt, you can get ChatGPT to give you very specific results. So one of the things people have been playing around with that I, has big ramifications for the world of religion Mm -hmm. um, is you can prompt chat GPT to answer in the voice of a fictional figure or even an historic figure. So, oh. um, uh, teachers, some teachers are playing around with like, if, if your students may be reading the great Gatsby, you can have chat GPT answer from the point of view of the great Gatsby or Dr. Seuss or, or, or again, uh, fictional characters, but um, not that Dr. Seuss is a fictional character, of course, but <laughs> uh, in the world of religion, though, you you could say, uh, I want you to act like Jesus from the Bible. I want you to respond and answer like Jesus using the tone, manner, and vocabulary Jesus would use. And so that will bring... Uh, wait, so is it going to come out in Aramaic then, or...? No, it will it'll speak to you <laughs> oh, okay, in, English, in English. Okay, in, just check. In sort of King Jamesy sounding English. Oh, I played that. around a little bit with that, and some of its responses are quite clever. Uh, I 
in playing around with that. So I asked about some hot button issues. I asked, what about gay marriage? What about? Oh yeah, let's hear what it what it what did uh, what did the gospel according to AI Jesus say about this? Uh, let's see. <laughs> if I see that as a citation in somebody's paper, mm -hmm. uh... <laughs> uh, so let's see. I asked Jesus, how should we treat members of the transgender community? Uh, and and the response was, blessed are those who approach all people with kindness, compassion, and understanding. Um, uh, and it go it, it gave a longer response there, but showing empathy was a big thing there. So that that wasn't too bad, actually. Hmm. Um, I asked about abortion and um, it it gave a response saying that, uh, my dear one, the sacredness of life is deeply cherished. In the eyes of our Heavenly Father, every life is precious and deserving of protection and care. Um, however, many followers seek to uphold the sanctity of life from the moment of conception. While I encourage you to ponder the teachings and principles I have shared, I also urge you to or, uh, urge you to seek guidance from trusted spiritual leaders and engage in heartfelt discussions with those who hold differing views. Uh, remember, love, compassion, and understanding should guide our interactions, allowing us to navigate difficult questions with humility and grace. So, um, it sometimes it gives a response, and sometimes it um, it sort of shucks off the issue, like. I'll say something that sounds kind of vaguely Jesus-y, right. King James Version Bible Jesus-y, but yeah. um, ask your pastor, ask ask right. other people. Refer um, referring to the specific, yeah, it, it gave a referral on that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I asked it too, uh, sort of a, a deeper semantic question. I asked Jesus, Jesus, would you like to eat a bacon cheeseburger as sort of a a, a deeper question, like will, will chat GPT recognize that Jesus was a practicing Jew who would have eaten kosher, right? And therefore probably would not eat a bacon cheeseburger. And it did see through what I was asking. And the response was, uh, Jesus, chat GPT, Jesus explained that, uh, uh, I, I, that Jesus was a practicing Jew and kept kosher by all accounts. So probably would not eat a bacon cheeseburger. Right. All so right. It, it can be clever. Okay. So, well, and that, I guess, then opens up the question because, you know, here specifically, we're, we're both uh, employees of, a, of an institution of higher learning, and there's definitely concerns uh, around how chat GPT might be used and or abused in terms of, of writing papers, writing sermons, uh, engaging in an ac academic uh, endeavors and where are lines around that? I guess the first one uh, is, is there a way to be able to kind of tell that people are using chat GPT? There are, I've identified a number of red flags, uh, oh, okay. but first I'll point out there are, um, there are freely available uh, generative AI checkers available online. Oh. Oh, um, okay. Uh, and I'll, I'll provide you the links so you can add them uh, written down to right. uh, our listeners here. Right. Um, and one, uh, yeah, there's several available. You can Google and find them. And they cannot tell you that something is 100% definitely written by uh, generative AI or 100% mm -hmm. definitely not. What yeah. they usually, they, they give you an estimate. They say, because again, these these work by they um, ChatGPT and these other programs almost never give you the same answer twice. Sure. So it's not like there's a log of these things out. Oh, but sure. um, 
they uh, they're able to judge whether so human beings when they write um, we we tend to be variable in our sentence lengths mm. and uh, there there's lots of little cues that can maybe tip you off that something that was written by a human being instead of a uh, a machine mm. and uh, so these free AI text checkers um, look at things like are are the words used are are they of various lengths are the sentences of various lengths uh are is the vocabulary um uh similarly is is it very similar across the whole work or does it vary mm. um and it measures something that uh the people have been developing these programs often called burstiness mm. um where is um basically is there much variability or not mm. or is there a lot of uniformity in these things gotcha uh, so it gives you an estimate in the end it'll say uh we estimate there's a 77 percent chance that this was put together by uh a generative ai program gotcha. or not. okay okay um otherwise i've noticed uh, a few other red flags uh yeah we, we've already touched on how chat gbt and many of these programs do not provide citations yeah so that that's a big giveaway. Um, again, there, there is at least one out there called Jenny that does provide citations, um, but most of them do not. Um, if your student is lazy and they cut and paste um, mm -hmm. chat GPT text directly into a paper mm -hmm. and uh, without changing the text, uh, chat GPT uses a, a font called Sego UI. And they use a a dark gray color. They don't actually use black. Okay. So that's a little thing that if your student's lazy when they're cutting and pasting, they um uh, might not notice that they're doing that. Gotcha. Um, certainly, very often I found in looking at students who engage in plagiarism that they maybe don't plagiarize the entire work. They might write the introduction and then they plagiarize one sentence. Gotcha. So similarly, maybe they write a little bit, but then they use chat GPT to plagiarize a, or to write a certain uh, chunk of a text. So if you're getting to know the student and you know, the student tends to write relatively short sentences, and then all of a sudden you have a long, well-written, uh, very different feeling sentence, that's maybe another sign that either the student might be plagiarizing and, or maybe is using chat GPT or one of these other tools. As I mentioned before, the chat GPT is only as good, the responses you get are only as good as the prompts you give. So if you give very general prompts, you get a general response back. If you give very uh, in-depth prompts, you, you can get a much more very longer answer. So if um, one of the things I recommend that professors do is they set up a, a chat GBT account and they they practice putting their assignment questions into chat GBT mm. and see what kind of responses they get. Mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned before, you're not going to get that same response a second or third time, uh, but it'll still give you a sense of what kinds of um, a, a response that you, you might want to be looking out for. Yeah, you'll get a and, feel for it.
Yeah. So, well, let me ask this then on this, because in some ways what we're talking about, right, we're talking about integrity, we're talking about honesty, we're talking about, and, and you just even made a distinction, and I think this is a question, right, is using generative AI to write a paper, is that plagiarism or is that something different? And I know at Meadville, we've made a distinction with that, uh, specifically for people who are who may be, um, you know, with it, within the Meadville community, I imagine other organizations use different parameters and may do things differently, but can we, let's, can we talk about the academic integrity piece of this and, and where things fall? Sure. Certainly. Um, well, uh, I think it was you and I who really spearheaded uh, updating this in the student handbook. Yeah. Uh, our, our policy at the moment on generative AI at Meadville Lombard is that you cannot use it unless you get your instructor or advisor's permission to use it. Uh, as I see it, there are legitimate uses for this. I, or certainly, it's it's going to be an important area of study. I, mm -hmm. I can foresee that if a minister or a chaplain is learning that uh, members of the congregation are learning about issues from uh, ChatGPT or other generative AI uh, programs, then you could write a very good paper or or uh, thesis on what uh, on this topic on mm. on how ChatGPT uh, discusses issues of transgender rights or uh, 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 civil rights or or how it presents certain issues or mm -hmm. uh, how it's it's offering responses on uh, issues that members of my congregation are interested in. So that's it, also that's so also naming right. That's name. That's being transparent about the fact that this is about the way generative AI engages this topic, as opposed to using generative AI to create a sermon or a paper about that topic. And uh, by virtue of, I guess, if I were somebody trying to do that, I could maybe justify that by saying, well, I did create the question and the prompt that was put in, therefore, the, and if I was specific, therefore, I could maybe decide to justify that the answer that came out was part of my creation, and therefore, I can put my name on it. But that's a problem, right? Now we're getting, this is where we're crossing a line, right? Correct, because it's, you're not writing the thing that you're submitting. And right. you're not doing the research. Um, right. So when you you do a normal search in Google, it provides you maybe with with a, a list of possible websites you can go to. You still have to go to those websites and decide, am I going to use these as sources in my paper or not? Right. Uh, this sort of cuts out the middleman or the middlewoman, and it uh, gives you, it, again, it, it prepares the paper for you. Yeah. Um, so one of the avenues I think would be a little more legitimate for use for ChatGPT would be to use it as sort of a more advanced search engine. I am definitely opposed, though, again, to uh, uh, using it as a way to write your paper um, right. or submitting it as your own writing. Well, and in um, fact, I know that within like the Meadville community, and I would venture to guess most academic institutions of any kind, you also couldn't get ChatGPT or any generative AI to write maybe a paragraph, a section, and then you cite that it was ChatGPT. You can't cite ChatGPT as the source, right? That doesn't work uh, either. Well, I will say uh, already the Chicago, the um, University of Chicago Press, who who 
uh, edit and and regulate the the Chicago Manual of Style. Mm -hmm. That's the the house citation style that we use here at yep. the Lombard, and but also um, uh, MLA and APA, mm -hmm. the other big uh, citation styles. They they have developed ways of citing when you use chat GPT or these other generative AI tools. However, if you're just presenting a paragraph and even if you cite it, right. um, it's, it, um, it would have to be, uh, again, as like a, a source of something. Again, it's not a, um, it, the whole work you do. Um, well, so and at this point, the, certainly within like Meade the Lombard, that's still a, that that violates our academic integrity policy uh, at this point in history, period. Correct. Even cited, it violates it. Yeah, unless, of course, you get the uh, the permission of your instructor and beforehand. Uh, yeah, beforehand <laughs> and you use it with in that context that you get that permission. Well, this is a good beginning, I think, to uh, to and really opening up a bigger conversation uh, around generative AI, how we utilize or how we're engaging, how we're beginning to be introduced to it as a concept, as a tool, as a concern, as all of those things within, uh, within not just higher education, but specifically, uh, you know, a, a seminary where we're working and formation into responsible uh, religious leaders working with integrity. I mean, this is an interesting beginning to this conversation and how and where and and why uh, engaging this particular creation could be used, should not be used, how it could be used, what to consider and think about. Thank <laughs> you for being able to uh, explain it and help me understand it as somebody that is Ooh, so much older than where this technology is coming from and coming out of. So I very much appreciate that. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Many Windows Conversations on Ministry is a production of Meadville Lombard Theological School. Theme music is Destination by Just Thea. This episode is produced by Jules Taylor. And as always, a special thank you to Tomo Hilton.